The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for the next level of leadership? It's going to be here before you know it. Today's leaders need the skills, connections, and savvy to become top professionals in their fields. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet people who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here's your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of Metcalf & Associates. I work with leaders and their organizations, identifying the trends that will most likely disrupt their businesses and develop business strategies and business leadership practices to leverage those trends to create a strategic advantage. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organizations. I'm also an adjunct faculty member at universities in the U.S. and Germany. With me on the show today is Jim Ritchie Dunham. I am delighted to have Jim joining us. Jim is the president of Vibrancy Incorporated. He's an adjunct Harvard researcher and the president of the Institute of Strategic Clarity, a nonprofit organization that certifies people in applying the vibrancy frameworks. Jim teaches internationally in top universities. So the goal of the Innovative Leaders Program is bringing leaders and emerging leaders information that will prepare them to lead in organizations in these dynamic times that we're currently facing. And for many of us, these are the most dynamic times we've seen in our careers. So really being able to continually refresh our leadership skills seems paramount at this point in history. Also want to invite our global audience to find ways to work together peacefully and effectively across borders and boundaries. Uh, Again, as we're facing changes in our environment, this seems paramount because our economic stability seems interconnected with our friends and colleagues around the world. In addition to sharing models and our experiences, I invite you to find one thing in this weekly segment that you can apply in your work or in your family setting today and during this week. The idea of innovating our leadership skills to me is based on finding those small areas every week that we can change, experiment with, try out, and continuing a lifestyle of experimentation rather than waiting until we have to be overhauled. So the the purpose of this conversation is to provide a high-level framework for leaders to refine their approach to increasing team effectiveness by leveraging the concept of room to roam. Room to roam looks at five variables we believe are the foundation when looking at leadership success and performance in groups. For people working in groups, we've often seen groups perform to the lowest common denominator. And this methodology is the antidote to that. And this is Jim's framework. Uh, He and I wrote it up, but he is absolutely the person who created it. So Jim, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, and then let's talk about the framework. Excellent. Great to be with you today. Thank you. The idea that we're looking for is how does one bring together a group of people that are working towards something together So what is some deeper purpose or goal that we're working on together? And why do we need the people that are in the room? And then how do we best utilize or engage the contributions that we each want to bring? And as you said, we found over time that most of the processes we seem to use in organizations bring a bunch of people together. We call that collaboration. And then people are invited to be quiet, shut up, and report out. But if we ask afterwards, of all of the ideas that you had today, um, how many did you share into the room? And how much did you speak? Or why didn't you say anything? And we hear people 
people say, well, I had like 10 or 15 or 20 ideas and I shared one or I didn't share any. And they're like, why? That seems like a complete underutilization of the people that we actually had in the room for a reason, whether they're our friends and we invited them there or we're a company and we paid to have you there. So the idea of Room to Rome, building on work, earlier work done by our colleague Terry O'Fallon, mm-hmm. um, was looking at, is it possible to invite all of the best that we have in the room that goes beyond um, what any one of us can see? And is there a way to do that versus um, finding the only common language that we have, which is that lowest common denominator? So when you say the best, you mean th- that I bring my biggest capacity? Right. Okay. Yeah. And so our work has been around understanding that in research and understanding that in practice and then field testing and exploring with different communities. So what we're sharing today is something that building on these frameworks that others have had in our own experiences and then going and trying that within some communities to see can we host each other into a deeper space in a bigger space I'm bringing the best each of us has versus finding the lowest common denominator that we all share. So we're going to talk about what the idea of hosting means in a minute. Mm -hmm. Uh, Before we get into hosting, there are five perspectives that Jim's identified that make up this room to roam. And they are leadership maturity, state of development, years of experience, mindfulness, and then this skill to identify the perspectives in the room. Mm So why don't you talk about leadership maturity a little bit? Great. So leadership maturity is something that is in your your mix of the things that you've been working on and in your books. And one way of thinking about that is what is the complexity of the different degrees of complexity that I'm able to see about what's going on and make sense of. So how do I make sense of some of the subtleties of what is it that we are trying to do? What is something innovative that I can see? What is it that's happening in other people that they're able to see something that's quite different than what I'm able to see? How is that shifting in them over time? How do these possibly fit together? And how does, are there leverage points or interventions that we can shift over time as our, we are evolving over time? Mm-hmm. So those are very different levels of maturity of what somebody's able to see into those subtleties. And you've done some mm-hmm. really beautiful framing around that. Thank yeah. you. So let me give maybe a couple <coughs> concrete examples. Mm-hmm. So at one of the levels that, that is now called skill-centric, my focus in my work is being a master at my craft. So that could be a surgeon or an engineer, someone who has focused predominantly on building expert skills. The next level is the self-determining level. This could be someone like a project manager. So I am worried in addition to being an expert, now I add on this managing multiple relationships or multiple criteria. So I'm worried about not only being exceptional at the work I do, I'm worried about budget, I'm worried about timeline, I'm worried certainly about quality, I'm managing my stakeholder expectations. Mm -hmm. So at that next level, the complexity, the number of relationships I'm managing, the timeline, the size of the budget goes up. The next level is then the self-questioning level. And at this level, we, we start managing a system often, so that could be an organization or a department, and I'm managing the interrelationships of people in addition to processes. And and in none of these are there a direct line that differentiates. More conceptually, I'm moving toward more focus on relationships in addition to budgets and quality. And then at the self-actualizing level, and this is relatively similar to what we called in good to great level five leadership for people who are followers of Jim Collins' work, this is the level of leader we think is required to transform large complex organizations. So as we think about bringing capacity in the room, how do I tap into, even for my surgeon or my engineer, how do I tap into their greatest capacity? Because nobody is just a level, but I may have much bigger capacity than shows up when I'm just called on to bring my expertise. And I think that's one of the things that's brilliant about this methodology is it really does identify beyond the thing I'm typically invited to do what else can I bring? Okay, the next is states of development. Great. So if this first one is how do I process and make sense of and give voice to what I can see, 
I mean, those levels of maturity that you were talking about in leadership. To me, this one, or this one points at um, states of awareness. And so some framings, um, such as Ken Wilber's that you use, um, go gross, subtle, causal, non-dual. I think a way to see that is that there are people, the observation is that there are people in the room who are very aware of what's happening. And that can be either in this gross level of what's really real in the room, and I pay attention to that. Um, so you're here, you're wearing this, I'm the colors, the people, the, all that, mm -hmm. the details in the room. But some people are also very aware of the emotions are running in the room, or you're coming in and you have a question that you're getting mm -hmm. ready to ask. And I can sense, and we say like the 80 or 90% of communication or 70, whatever that mm -hmm. is, is in the nonverbal. So what are these nonverbals, um, these subtler states of what's going on, and that we're very aware of those, some of us. So that would be, some people are more into the subtle realms as well. And then there's this other presence, the noticing of a creative force, seeing possibilities um, into what some people call like this causal realm. So what is that source? Is it starting to come through me? Is it starting to come through you? I'm starting to see something different. So there are some people that we find are very attuned to that. And what's fun is sometimes I never talk about that because it's really weird stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I said, well, it's not really weird at all. And it turns out a lot of other people in this room can do that as well. But they don't talk about it but either. They don't talk about it either. So we can start to say, no, I can actually tell when that's shifting in a room. And then, or when we all of a sudden shift from a possibility to a probability, it just became real in a different way. This mm -hmm. very seemingly intangible thing is very felt. And then there's even a deeper level that they talk about this non-dual and co connecting directly to source. And they're starting to, those are words like we hear in community of, I'm seeing something, something's coming out of my mouth. I've never said these words before. I've never had this thought before. Mm -hmm. And I all attribute it to X, to spirit, to nature, to something. Mm -hmm. But I'm in connection with something and it's coming through me. So the point here is that there are different skill sets of that in the room. And can we really capitalize on the subtlety of what can be brought in um, by acknowledging that, um, that? And that's different than how mature I am as a leader is the ability to have this kind of access and of subtleties of what's happening. And again, mm -hmm. if I'm correct, it's mm -hmm. important to have all. So on the gross or concrete level, is it too hot in the room? Are people falling asleep? Right. Now, the basic stuff that I sometimes forget to attend to, but it, if people are physically thirsty and have to use the restroom right. when I'm teaching a class, it, it's just not very effective. The second, the subtle realm, I think you beautifully described, am I aware of the tensions in the room? So somebody may not be getting along with someone. Someone may just be exhausted. right? <clears throat> or somebody's very excited and needs to express something and nobody's paying attention to that. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it really is choreographing the conversation so people don't fall back into the, I had 10 ideas, but I shared one. The causal realm I love, and we don't do it often enough in many of my experiences, what's possible? We so often focus on what's our budget allow for, or what do we have time for, and there isn't in many situations because we're so busy doing the work of delivering that we don't have the opportunity to look at something much bigger as we could do, and we are too busy to think about it. And then the non-dual, and I, I don't know what other people's experiences are, but I've certainly had this sense often that I said something that, boy, I don't know where that came from, and it sounded pretty smart. <laughs> and <laughs> So what I find is that if we, if we look around the room, especially with leadership, right, is to say, why, why is this person here? Well, this person is here because they're from accounting, but the real reason I want you in the room is because you see stuff that I don't see. Um, when you're here with us, um, something else happens. And so what we want to do with this piece, this perspective in the roaming, the room to roam, is to acknowledge that and to say there's a reason we have these folks here in the room because they can see things that the rest of us can't and it's really critical to our process and so how do we make sure that we're not going to the lowest common denominator of what we can see rather expanding to the capacities that are in the room to see so as you work with this do you actually map out like do you have a spreadsheet where you indicate this stuff we actually have in some cases gone and done through interviews with individuals that are in our group um, to say this is where i perceive that you perceive things and what do you perceive and so validating with them mm -hmm. where they perceive what kinds of things do they notice and pay attention to and then so that we can have a profile for everybody mm -hmm. 
of what I pay attention to so that everybody else in the room also knows what I can see and pay attention to or how I pay attention so that we can bring out the most of those capacities and not the least of them. So what strikes me is almost an orchestra conductor. Right. That I know what range each of those instruments can play. <laughs> and if we're playing this piece of music, if it's Bach, I'll need this. If it's Brahms, I'll need something else. And each beautiful musician knows how to play the range of songs that we as a collective play. Right. So I know that I'm aware of the gross and a little bit of the subtle of things mm -hmm. that are going on. And I know that somebody else in the room, as a leader, I know that somebody else in the room is really aware of the subtle and causal. <laughs> so I'll make sure to check in to say, I know you're seeing things I'm not seeing. So please share in. And I'll make sure that I'm sharing, asking for that sharing, because I know that you're perceiving things. And I need to make a space for that. So it also sounds like a great deal of appreciation for people who are different than me. Right, because what we want is to maximize the space of all the different contributions, not the mm -hmm. same. And so the lowest common denominator comes when I, I want people to seem like I am. Right, at my worst versus at my best, <laughs> right? Yeah, well, especially if I'm not willing to share, because I'll feel weird, because I don't think other people see the same thing I do. And that right, and our lowest common denominator, we're confirming that nobody can see the, from the level of maturity, leadership maturity I have, or from the level of the state of awareness I have. The lowest common denominator doesn't hold that, versus the room to roam invites that. Perfect. So we're going to go on break. This is Maureen Metcalf and Jim Ritchie Dunham, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one -on -one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. This is Maureen Metcalf and Jim Ritchie Dunham, and we are talking about room to roam and maximizing the effectiveness of people in teams and team function. So the third of five is years of experience. Seems obvious, but let's talk about it anyway. Excellent. So if to summarize these first two, no matter how well I know how things work in this specific area of what we're talking about, whether it's accounting or supply chains or in our family about how to make a meal or organize an event, um, I have a leader, a maturity of being able to see the complexities that we were talking about, the subtleties of those complexities. And that other person in the States is, uh, is has access to seeing what's happening in the room. So a completely different thing is how much experience do I have in, in playing with, working, and understanding the linkages in our system and how things actually work. 
So while I can be very mature in leadership and subtle in awareness, I don't actually know how the accounting system actually works, mm-hmm. right? So then we want to make sure here it's the years of experience and not years of experience. Somebody said, once some wise person said, did I have 20 years of experience or did I have the same experience 20 years? Mm-hmm. Right. So I didn't ever learn anything. I'm still doing exactly what I did the first year, 20 years later. And I keep repeating that. Or have I, I did something and then I learned and then I did something and I've learned. So I've really nuanced my understanding of how things work within the system, how they actually work and could work at a very subtle level. So that's what the years of experience is really trying to tap into, going to the person who actually knows how things work. And, and, and are we bringing that into the room or we have a bunch of people who have no clue how it actually works and because we haven't invited that in the room. I love that we're talking about levels of awareness and just the, what I'll say is concrete, but I realize it's complex, is often we get folks making decisions at the senior Mm -hmm. levels and what we decide doesn't work because we don't actually have the, I'll say technicians, and and I'm referring to someone with the technical skills. Again, it could be an engineer or a construction manager or a surgeon that, that has been doing surgery, and then someone like me decides the wall should be pink. Well, maybe not. Yeah, that, that may be good for happiness factor, but it may be terrible for for actually being efficient as a surgeon. So lots of different ways to categorize this. Beginning or entry level, we know what that means. Certified, so think CPA, I passed the bar exam as an attorney, I did my residency as a physician. So, so there's a level of proficiency that may take, in, in some cases, years. And then there's a, a next level of certified. So whether that's called a technician or in professional fields, especially, that we have a hard time categorizing this. But what it is is, say I have my CPA, now what am I as an accountant year five? And then what am I as an accountant year 10? And then what, it, what am I as a master craftsman? And again, to Jim's point, this doesn't mean I've worked a number of years but haven't gotten any better, and we've all seen those. This is really pointing to I am mastering my craft. And in many cases, I'm actually moving the work forward. So I see things that, that are working and I build on what's effective. I see things that aren't working and I minimize those. And then as an elder, I'm actually adding to the field and making a contribution that didn't exist. So as I'm looking at making a complex decision in my organization, implementing change specifically, I need to have the people in the room who will be able to talk about the implications of the change I'm making. So then the next category is mindfulness. And I know this word is used in a lot of different ways. So let's talk about, Jim, how are you using that word? Right. So this is from a colleague I've worked with for many years, a student of her work, Ellen Langer. And so mindfulness here, um, she has simplified to being um, noticing new things so that there is new perspective coming in. There's a different perspective. There's different information or the information is new or there's a new category. So how do we think about, well, this is that versus this could be that, but it could also be something else. So the way we're thinking of this mindfulness is we notice that people again have sort of a scale of I don't really in mindfulness I'm aware of well I'm basically mindless and I'm on automatic and I, when information comes in either it's somebody else's perspective or a new way of thinking about something or new information I see it from the old categories so my brain is already set up to interpret it in the old way then I can start m- moving into I notice that something's new so more uh, early mindfulness would be I notice new changes um, I notice well that perspective is not the same one I hold and I want to inquire into it because it's different than mine you're looking at this not as a bandage rather or or as a scarf rather as a bandage so if somebody got hurt and you say well this was a, a shirt but it could also be something else, mm-hmm. right? Um, I need an eraser. Well, this is a, a rubber play toy, but it could also be an eraser. So, so mm-hmm. you go, oh, you're changing the category of what something was. This could be a supply chain issue, but it also could be a relationship development opportunity. So we're to start to see things from a different way, a different category or a different perspective, or the information is telling us something different. So that's starting to be mindful. Then there can be a process of starting to support others in being mindful. How can I ask questions into the space so that you are also opening up new categories or new perspectives? And so I can see, well, it looks like we're processing this in the old way. Maybe there's a different way to think about this. 
So it's not it's not just a cost to us, it's possibly an opportunity, for example, right? Um, how can we relook at this, rethink this? And then there's a level where I can start supporting that we are being mindful um, together all of the time. So what am I building into our processes or awareness that we are collectively being more like this and that I'm supporting others in being able to be like this? Mm -hmm. um, so those are sort of these different levels that we're looking at of I'm not doing it. I can do it. I can do it with others or I can support that we as a group are being more like this together. So my concrete examples, especially because mm -hmm. I am so guilty of multitasking, mm -hmm. <laughs> Jim laughs. I come into the room, I'm focused on the 65 emails that I have to respond to by tonight, and I am physically present, but I am either on my mobile or on my laptop, or if I'm not typing something and not paying attention, I'm thinking about something and not paying attention. <coughs> or halfway paying attention. And what we know is we think we're multitasking and in fact we're not multitasking. I, I am sitting. Right. I may appear to be listening, <coughs> but when my mind is off solving another problem, I'm not present. So how do we help bring people back into just paying attention first and then emotionally engaging and then bringing in, in back to my best ideas. So I'm invited to be here. So so that means I have to be understand why I'm here. I have to think it's important enough that I'm going to stop doing that other thing I was doing. And it's interesting enough to me to actually engage. And then if I am even a participant, not the facilitator, I can also, one, give the example, but invite other people to participate too. Right. And what this does is another th way of thinking of this form of mindfulness is cognitive pre-commitments. So I'm, I, my brain is set up to interpret what you say in the old ways I have. Mm -hmm. So can we set up in the room a process for you are bringing this perspective and I can see that it's different than my perspective. So I need to listen in a different way because you just shifted how I'm thinking about something. I'm not trying to fit it into a box I already have. So even if I'm now present and paying attention, am I fitting it into old boxes of categories or kind of perspectives mm -hmm. or information? I said, oh, I already know what you mean by that. My internal thinking might be saying, I already know what you mean yeah. by that, and it fits into this category, versus starting to realize, or can I as a leader bring out in the conversation, there's something different about what you're bringing. Mm -hmm. So it, that's a different way of looking at it, and can we start to honor that? So being aware that it's different allows me to set up within my own cognition a different category. Right, so it's not the same box I usually stick it in, it's a different box. So mm -hmm. instead of thinking like this, oh darn, I don't want to mm -hmm. deal with this, mm -hmm. to no, actually I want to walk at it. So it's a creating a new cognitive framing. Or this is, this looks like the same information we already said. No, there's something different about mm -hmm. it that's telling, it's telling us something different. And so it's to start noticing the differences and how do we create different cognitive framings for that. Mm -hmm. And then the leadership piece in this is how aware of that process are we that people are either slipping into previous framings or available to new framings and that something new has come in and how do mm -hmm. we want to process that as a group? So I think of an example from a couple of days ago, one of our <coughs> colleagues was talking about her doctoral work about decision-making and consensus and post-consensus. And I think I thought, I know what consensus is. Oh, I don't have to listen. And I started thinking about something else. And in conversation later, I realized I had no idea. I know what the word consensus means to me. She's from Austria. How Austrians do consensus in her doctoral program different than what we do or what I do. And so by that deeper listening, I needed to ask the question, is that what, I, even just confirming, I, I think I know what that word means. I know what it means to me. Right. Are we talking about the same thing? I don't do that, not in a meeting. Right. So are you coming from a, the same perspective that I think I see or a different perspective? Are you talking about the same information because I can make it look the same? Or is it something actually quite different? And are you using the same categories for something or is it something quite different? So what I would see as a problem, you're seeing as an opportunity, as one of those classic examples, right? Or you're seeing as we got to go into this negotiation and see what we can get out of them. Say, well, actually, I'm not doing that. I'm co-investing with this person, so I can see a way that we can get, we can both get much more out of it than me taking away from you. That's a very different perspective to be taking. And so, as leadership, can we see that that's happening? and open up because we invited all these folks with different perspectives into the room. 
So to say, oh, well, you're from accounting. What do you think about whether we can make money off of this launch or this product? <clears throat> and they start talking and everybody else glazes over or go like, yeah, 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 I know what you're saying. Yeah, stop talking now. So we Right, or go, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that yeah, yeah, yeah is I'm already putting it into the boxes I already have. Mm -hmm. And as a leader, can we say, wait a second, I don't think that you just saw or I saw what that person just said because that's not the same box that we usually have. There was something mm -hmm. else that you just saw. So how awake am I to those differences that when they show up? And it turns out that they show up all the time, one. And two, it turns out that there are ways that we can say and do things in our process that can help people see those things and be very open to them. And I'll give you a for instance. He says, well, this is this kind of cost mechanism or this is the way we're going to be in this relationship I'm with the, in this negotiation versus saying this could be this cost category or this could be this uh, way we're going to enter. And it's shocking that to me that in all the experiments that Ellen Langer's lab has done over the 30-something years is to find out if you shift it to could be, then people's brains operate in, well, it could also be something else. Mm. So it could be that we're going in to get as much of the pie as we want. But it could also be, and it triggers in the brain, it could also be that we're going to expand the pie. Right. And so there's there, there are ways that we as leaders can work to open the mindfulness of the group of, of, of being aware of new things that are coming in and not losing the newness because we put them into old categories or old boxes in our brain. And that's where that term cognitive pre-commitments. I've already committed pre-committed to how I'm going to mm -hmm. cognitively process this. So I'm not getting any of the new. And I've completely lost that. And that makes it so it's very difficult for me to be resilient or absorb new. And so being this mindfulness allows me to embrace this uncertainty, greater uncertainty, because mm -hmm. to say, oh, it's really cool. There was something new that came in versus it's all the same old. And I, d I completely miss the uncertainty that was just available to me. So this circles back and connects with possibility. Right. If I'm, if I'm thinking could rather than should or, or we've already decided, mm -hmm. I am by my language and what it triggers in my brain, the way I'm wired, creating a different possibility. Right, and the different listening for that possibility, yeah. So, so this seems subtle, but it also seems pretty profound, idea that by changing my language only slightly, and being mindful of the possibilities, I could accomplish a 25% bigger outcome or some percentage greater. Right. That's significant. I think that's huge. And a very simple example in our groups of something like that is to say, is these reframes. It said, you know, that person that we're struggling with, she is quiet and she does not share. But if you say, well, it could be that she's quiet. What that triggers is, well, it also could be that she's a good listener. So she's not quiet, she's listening. Mm. If, I, if I say she is quiet, that means she doesn't share, and that's it. Versus I, what are the other possibilities? Right, what are the other possibilities? Well, she is quiet, but she also is a great listener. So maybe we need to ask her because she's a great listener. So what are the other categories that are there versus the ones that were predetermined to fit something into and therefore not see the other possibilities? So I think from improv, one of the tools, and I'm going to get this wrong, but, but using it on what you just said, so I would make an observation, mm. Jen is quiet, and then just adding, and also, right. the invitation to, yes, this <clears throat> is an accurate observation, and there's something else going on. Exactly. So Maureen is very, very stubborn. <laughs> he said, or, and she's also extremely committed to this deeper thing that we really care about. Um, so it turns from something that I don't want to deal with to something I want to embrace. Cool. So I want to go circle back on one thing before we go to break because I realized I conflated two topics. So there were five categories. Mm. I conflated years of experience with skill. So we talked about skill, the beginner certified. But there's also a category that Jim was speaking to, years on the planet. Right. That I've seen cycles and... Mm. If I've been working for 50 years, I've seen lots of cycles, and I have a different in-my-body sense of how things flow and how they move, and there is value in that point of view in addition to the subject matter expert. Good. Yep. So we're going to go on break. Maureen Metcalf and Jim Ritchie Dunham, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations, and we're talking about room to roam and creating high-functioning teams.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. So now that we know what the five categories are, back Maureen and Jim talking about room to roam and creating a process that allows us to leverage these five because for many of us we have too many meetings we're trying to get through the day we are running from one thing to the next and being fully present one isn't our habit and two feels a little impractical because I got other stuff I got to do so I can't show up and pay all my attention to you I've got other stuff on my mind so how do we create a process that really leverages this and the payoff is we get much better results so presumably we need to go to fewer meetings wouldn't that be nice so Jim can you walk us through the co-host so the process is called co-hosting where did you come up with this and tell us a little bit about what's included Excellent. So the observation is uh, I invite 10 people into a room because I put it on their calendar to be together for an hour. So that's 10 hours that we as a community, family, um, business agency are investing in addressing whatever we have to, to look at whatever question we're asking that day. And if we look at 10 people sitting there for an hour, so 10, what could they be doing? Are they actively engaged and and contributing? That's the reason supposedly that they're there. And then we look at what we actually do when we have one person talking at other people this whole time, and we didn't utilize the other nine people that were there. And that seems like a bit of a ridiculous thing to do. So what we started to look at is groups that do that much better, that have much higher impact, are much more resilient to being able to, or sustainable in their ability to have this much bigger impact. And what we discovered is we have groups where people are all playing. So you gave the example earlier of improv or jazz or in music or in sports. Um, and as I've shared before, my kids are musicians, so I, I spend a lot of time watching those. And everybody's playing and everybody's contributing to this harmonic we're getting. Then I look at most of our meetings in our meeting culture, and most people aren't engaged at all. They're waiting at most for their time to, to share their report out, mm-hmm. and then they're completely disengaged doing other things. Or they're all listening. In a better situation, they're all listening, but very few people are contributing. Now we compare that to the groups that we've worked with that are these high, high performers, and everybody's deeply engaged and building off of each other. And then all of a sudden, everybody turns to you because it's clear you've got something to contribute now. Mm-hmm. And so we're always building out of the best. So what we noticed in that was using the metaphor of a party, that there were 
three or four very different levels of how to be um, in a room. And one is, I'm just going to put it together and we'll see what happens. I'm right. So I just put it all in everybody's calendar and everybody show up and it's more like a conference and I'm talking at everybody. And so we just sort of, I, I had a house and people show up, and but there's nothing there and it's just an empty warehouse kind of thing. There's another level of it is I'm going to manage this party. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to invite 10 people into the room and I'm going to go up to you and say, Maureen, you need to be eating this right now. And Maureen, you need to be <laughs> thinking about this right now. And Maureen, you need to come over and talk to this person. But wait a second, you keep talking about that because I got to go over and connect these other two people so that they're talking. And then, and so I'm always in everybody's conversation, making sure everybody's doing exactly what they're supposed to do. Sounds a little bit like how I host a party. <laughs> and so this is busybody time, right? And we're like, okay, so now you're telling me everything I need to be doing and stopping. Another way is to say, well, I'm really hosting this party and I'm providing an environment within Mm -hmm. which everybody will be able to so I've thought through where we are how we are when food comes when music comes how Mm -hmm. it goes I've set it up so that people have ways of interacting and meeting each other and set up so that they can have these conversations and the depth of conversation that they need to be so I'm more orchestrating it. And what, but what we discovered in these groups of these, these high, high performers, where everybody was participating and building on each other, something else was happening. And what was happening there, we discovered, is that everybody had, if you ask them, everybody felt like they were also hosting. So we created an environment that generates that everybody's taking up ownership for the quality of what we're experiencing here. So we talk about a stewardship as an example, right? That everybody in there has stewardship and responsibility for what we as a collective and individually are doing. So I'm not just depending on your hosting, say, well, if it's not working, that's Marine's fault. Rather, I'm also with you hosting and uh, and stewarding that we are achieving what we want. So we're in a different level of communication. So the co-host is a person who's paying attention to relatedness and to stewardship throughout and inviting everybody back into, in this conversation, in this meeting, um, how are you in your co-hosting with me? How are you making connection? Because I can see that you're starting to see something. Mm-hmm. So you're starting to go down a path that to me doesn't feel connected to our purpose. And I'm not really sure why you're doing that. Please help. But instead of saying, stop doing that or let's get back on my mm-hmm. agenda, mm-hmm. and a co-hosting gesture would be like, help me see why the conversation in the direction you're starting to take it is related mm-hmm. to what the bigger purpose, because we might be on something else. But I'm much more in a state of inquiry with the other folks who are co-hosting with me, because I know that you might have and the things that we've talked about, a different sense of leadership maturity, right? So mm-hmm. you're seeing something I'm not seeing, um, different states of awareness. So you're seeing something coming in, and we mm-hmm. definitely want to pay attention to that, and I didn't see that. Or you're aware that somebody else is, and you're trying mm-hmm. to bring them. Or you're you're sensing the need to tap into, well, then how do things actually work here? Mm-hmm. And who's the, a colleague of mine says, the oldest rat in the barn? You actually know how things actually work in this organization, or you're the professionally trained one. So you say, wait a second, I realize that we don't have the marketing perspective, so we need to ask the marketing perspective. But in co-hosting, it's the gesture of all of us are working together to say we're all responsible for this space. And so how do we work together to see that? And so then a person who, in many of those groups we call a co-host, is being responsible for that co-responsibility. So this is like a facilitator, but more. Right. Um, So one of our colleagues early on that we noticed was doing this, one of my other colleagues said, oh, so you did a really nice job of facilitating that. And he he looked at him confused and said, what are you talking about? So I don't facilitate. Because to him, facilitation meant there's an agenda and we're going to get through Mm -hmm. the pieces. Mm -hmm. And he said, no, I'm listening for relationship. And are you in relationship with what we're trying to do? Are we clear that we're all in relationship with what we're trying to contribute here and maximizing the contributions that are available in the room? So are we really connecting people? So so what I'm listening for, and that might be more of the improv or an orchestrating Mm -hmm. kind of thing, a conductor, but I'm listening for the engagement of everybody. And that that is actually, in, in some of these organizations, the most senior role. I'm listening for the capacity of everybody to make their contribution in concert with everybody else towards this purpose. And and the thing you say that strikes me is it's it's not just am I feeling good about sitting next to Jim, it's are we in relationship with the purpose we're here for? So am I relating to the goals of the meeting, the business, the nonprofit? It's different than am I happy. 
Right. So if we know that what we're trying to do is satisfy a customer need, a new complaint that came up, and I'm in operations and you're in packaging, and so I'm making the product and you're packaging it and you're seeing whether financially we can do this, as a co-host or as a co-steward of this, um, I actually need to understand your other perspectives. I'm not just here to report out my piece mm -hmm. and not care at all whether your piece is relevant or not. And some leadership person will do that. Rather, I also care about this and I also need to know. So when I, any of us realize, well, wait a second, we don't actually understand the financial piece of this, then I need to understand mm -hmm. that as well, right? And so the co-host is, is, are we all understanding why we need these different voices? It's not a pain in the butt to hear the person from finance or packaging or customer attention or mm -hmm. we have to hear all these. And we all know that we all need to hear those because so we're deeply, deeply engaged. And what that's allowing us to do is to bring in these five perspectives, right? So if we come back to those five perspectives, we can all do this from a shared language that we all have. Mm -hmm. So we all have some level of understanding of the business. We all have some understanding of the dynamics and the reality in the room. But what that will take us to is a very early stage of leadership maturity. The common space that we all hold is a, a certain level of a low level of leadership maturity, the gross awareness, no experience in the system, and very little understanding of how it actually works for the category in old categories. What's available to us is that some people are, have, are much more mindful, some people are much more experienced, some people have much subtler states of development, awareness, and some people have much greater leadership maturity. So can I as co-host of this, knowing that they're also um, contributing to that, invite all of those perspectives into the room to say, you have such a later stage of this leadership maturity, you notice all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So when you hear these new perspectives that this other person was bringing in, and when and the access to what was happening in the room that this other person bring, what do you see about how they all fit together? So, so what I hear is, in the past, this lower lowest common denominator. Mm. If I saw something that other people didn't see, I would shut up because it, I was the oddball. Right. It wasn't welcome, or I stopped myself. It may have been welcome, but I self-edited. Right, because nobody else can see it. So you're saying we explicitly say you're going to see something, the rest of us aren't, and we create a culture or an environment or a set of agreements that says, I know that Jim's going to see stuff that I don't see, and instead of it being weird, it's his gift to the organization. That is his special superpower. And he shouldn't shut up. He should, in fact, share it. And instead of me as a listener in the room, instead of feeling less competent because Jim sees stuff that I don't, I should appreciate that superpower and try to benefit from it, try to learn from him. Meetings will be less speedy in some cases, but right. way more effective. Right. And I, they can be less speedy or they can be directly towards what we're actually trying to answer. Mm -hmm. Right, and so where I know if I'm in operations and I don't really understand whether we're actually gonna make any money at this product and I would take responsibility for that. Like that, he said, I need to hear your perspective to know if we're gonna be able to do this successfully and will we be, be able to deliver this on time? So I need to talk to the folks in assembly, right, in packaging. Likewise, he said, I know that there are perspectives that I'm not seeing and I depend on you to do that. So what we set up in agreements is an expectation that equally like having different domains of expertise, mm -hmm. like we know in organizations of accounting or human resources or assembly, those things. Likewise, what these five perspectives point out is that there are also different ways of perceiving and, and paying attention to information. That's what's happening in the room and processing that. And we also mm -hmm. need to really, we have the opportunity to really leverage that versus shut that down. So it seems like there are a couple different parts. One, I, to use just a very concrete term, I can categorize or catalog. Jim has these superpowers. Hal has other ones. Jen has other ones. So as the co-host, I have a sense of who's in the room, what's missing, who I need to invite in the room. Jim's or Jay's been on the planet for 150 years, so he's seen a bunch of stuff, and there's value in that. So here are all the people. But then there's this, this sounds like a different way of interacting. And so I have to have different agreements because otherwise I'm going to have all the right people and we're still going to behave suboptimally. We miss the opportunity still. So lots of room to roam and we old agreements. Right. So can you say a little bit about the agreements that we have that make this better, more right. beneficial? Yeah. So we, if we can agree to why we're actually coming together 
and we can agree to the kinds of voices that we need to be able to do that. Right? So these are the different perspectives um, that we need, technical perspectives, so finance and human resources and shipping or uh, assembly. Then we can also say, and what kind of, the, in the group, what kind of perspectives do we need to be able to pay attention to what's coming that's new, that's different, how things work and all those. And so part of some of our agreements are we actually need these and we're going to be co-responsible for paying attention to them. So I expect you to be 100% participant. So one of the agreements in one of the communities, for example, is if you see something, you must contribute mm -hmm. because that's why you're here. Mm -hmm. And I, I expect you and need you to participate. Be prepared and participating because I need that skill set that you bring. And if you're not going to bring your superpower today, then we're suboptimized. That then you are actually not doing your job. You're not doing your job because that's why you're here. You also have a, a technical area of competence, but I depend on your ability to see these things. And if you're not seeing, we completely missed it, then that was a completely lost opportunity. Or we're going to have to go spend 90% of our time fixing what we didn't see. And the 10 people that I had in the room for an hour, the 10 hours I invested in this, it was seen, it came into the room, you saw it, and we didn't deal with it. So we didn't have the opportunity to integrate. So we're going to spend days fixing. So these are thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of wasted energy by not changing my agreements. Right, because what came, it was in the room, I paid for the room, it was in the room, and we didn't use it, and that's inefficient. Thank you. <laughs> that's great. So much more to learn, and this conversation could go on for hours, but it's not going to go on for hours on this show. So, Jim... And I wrote a paper. It is published on Integral Leadership Review in the August through November version. It's also a link to that paper is on my website, www.metcalf-associates.com. And if you look under Publications tab, Free Publications, we'll also write a blog about it. But for those who want to learn more, this process is phenomenally impactful. Also, Jim's website. VibrancyStory.com. And he has a wealth of information. His blog is weekly and incredibly insightful. Lots to learn. And we will be back again soon sharing a little more about Room to Roam and Vibrancy and how to leverage the, the gifts of the people that we're already paying to show up at work. So if we think about what would it be like if I got 20% more output from people, what would that do to our organization just showing up and not multitasking is the message I take away myself <laughs> as I'm gonna be sitting in a meeting with Jim today and he'll be maybe holding me accountable for paying attention a little more so innovative leaders driving thriving organizations my request at the beginning of the show was pick something that you're gonna experiment with so my commitment to Jim as he's sitting here is that I will be more present and more open to sharing my my own voice and I am as guilty as everybody else even with the invitation that sometimes I feel like I'm a bit odd for lack of a better term that what I bring may not be valued by everyone in the room I assume most of us have that sense so how do we ensure that we bring our best so this is Maureen Metcalf and Jim Ritchie Dunham innovative leaders driving thriving organizations please email me at info at metcalf-associates.com and give me feedback let me know how you're doing with your experiments Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope to see you here next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.